This episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. The Pulse. Want to start your day informed? Check out The Pulse, Taproot's new daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a bit of whimsy from features such as a moment in history, chart of the week, and the Friday podcast pick. And it's free. Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. What's your stance on how the government is handling COVID? And yeah. by government, I am packaging that in with media. So I think we were talking about, um, uh, you know, how has the government, you know, how do I think the government and the media has responded to to all of this? I mean, in Canada, at least, um, I, you know, I think we've done a decent job of walking the line between making sure that the public is making general decisions that are important for the public health, um, but also trying to respect at least um, individual liberties as much as we can. It's a difficult line to, 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 to balance. Um, and I don't, like I was saying, I don't envy any of the people <laughs> having to make these really difficult decisions. And I mean, I guess that's one thing I may, would also um, would say is that, it, I mean, people sometimes think, oh, you know, we're only focused on this corona coronavirus. We're not focused on um, people's mental health. I, I don't, that is, I would say that's false. I mean, that people, when they're making these really difficult decisions of, you know, you have to lock down, you can't see your family during Christmas, they're making those decisions with that caveat that, you know, that recognizing that there are harms to those decisions, right? There, those are not easy decisions to make, but they kind of have to be made. Um, so it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult place that they have been. I, I'm, it's not terrible. Sometimes with the media, sometimes, you know, um, they can be a little bit alarmist, <laughs> um, you know, about certain things. Um, and so it can be, difficult um, to strike that tone of information without being sensationalized. Um, and certain media outlets are better at that than others. Um, and so that's, uh, it, it can be, can be difficult to, to navigate that. But, um, but for the most part, I think, you know, our public health officials in conjunction with our government officials, both federal and provincial have done a decent job of trying to, you know, balance individual rights with the public health. What is my stance on how the government is currently handling COVID-19? Well, I have lots of thoughts because as a political science nerd, I, yeah, I love studying this stuff and just watching from afar. Uh, from a professional standpoint, there are certain aspects that I just have to leave up to the professionals. I wouldn't want to be a politician right now. I don't think there's a right answer for any of this. We're kind of learning as we go, doing the best that we can. Yeah, there might be some backhanded stuff happening, but um, I just have to hope that, you know, everyone has their 
critical thinking goggles on and they're they're analyzing every every angle of this i uh yeah from a personal standpoint for mental health obviously i want it to be a little bit more open up especially for outdoor activity and sports being active and having a sense of community is so beneficial for our mental health which influences our physical health and both those combined contribute to our immune system and uh yeah i think as a society so whether we're talking about alberta or canada or the world i think it's really important for us to do better when we know better and so right now we have about 14 months of data and we're using the same measures as we did a year ago that's the literally the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I think it would be in our best interest to kind of zoom out, zoom out our lens and look at all the unintended consequences that we have created, you know, out of good intentions, trying to keep everyone alive and safe and, you know, slowing the, the, the spread of this, but mental health, financial health, uh, physical health have all struggled and I think it's important now and it's, and it's the perfect time to also address that in addition to COVID. So if we can shed some more light on that, I would be much happier as a holistic health practitioner. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, so it's easy to kind of go back and second guess people's decisions. So when you ask, like, how's the government handling things? I mean, I think everybody's doing the best they can. Um, and you know, like there's a couple of schools of thought. One is, well, just let it run its course, but it's more important to, you know, kind of keep the economy going and keep people's lives as normal as possible. It's an interesting question. I think, I think the government, um, you know, we, we talk about the government as if it's like a separate entity from us, when in fact, we're the ones that put them there in the first place to represent us. And, and I say that in a country like Canada, because we actually have the power to do that. In a lot of other countries, you won't see that. You'll see that people will vote for someone and someone else will be put in power and say, oh, yeah, no, 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 this actually happened. Real fake news, actual fake news that takes place on a day-to-day basis. And I think, you know, my my take on the government's job, whether that be federal, provincial, I don't think any government really has been able to do a fantastic job. I don't think, you know, looking across the spectrum, looking at, you know, Canada, the United States. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed with the vaccine rollout for the United States. I must be honest with that. But, you know, looking at Canada, do I think we're doing a fantastic job? Absolutely not. I don't. Um, But I'm not a politician. I can't tell you what should be done. Right. I can't, I can't come up with policies and tell you, oh yeah, this is, this would definitely work, but this would definitely work. It's not my job to do that, but it's, it's our job to, vote for the people to go in power because we have that power and we've done that and the way i look at it is you know we can be upset about the decisions that they made so let's vote for someone else next time right let's if we don't agree with the decisions that are being made let's even if we don't like the people that are going into power the other parties let's talk to our friends our acquaintances get them motivated to run get them to go in and voice our concerns because that's the only reason i mean that's the only way these these changes can be made my my stance on how the government is handling covid um it's going to be a response that is going to is very atypical so the government as i mentioned before they've had a clinical response and they've had an economical response 
but they haven't taken a look at what is going to be the impact on culture. Um, they've barely scratched the surface of behavioral change. So, you know, in my opinion, I think they're doing a terrible job addressing the needs of human beings in terms of leadership when it comes to behavioral change. So let me explain that quite simply. We get our very well-respected, she's doing a great job, Dr. Deanna Henshaw, who comes on TV every day at the start of the pandemic, who talked, you know, talked about a program called Text for Hope, which was a great program. You got one text message every day that basically said, do all this simple stuff, go for a walk, eat well, have, you know, maintain strong social connections, you know, get good sleep hygiene. It was all great stuff. The thing, the problem that was missing is she's a leader. And the messenger matters. Trust matters. So she could have done a lot better job if she would have said, you know what? I'm doing these things. Here's me reaching out to my friends. Here's me going for a walk in the woods. Here's our premier and our healthcare minister actually doing the stuff that we're asking population masses to do. And they didn't do that. And because they didn't do that, we now have all of these cultural divides when they had all this information that was all evidence-based, they could have helped people get ahead of the problem of mental health, and yet they failed as leaders. So, you know, I'm not going to get into a discussion about vaccines and wearing masks and shutdowns. Let other people answer those questions. What I'm most disappointed about is that we lack leadership through example. We lack leadership through trust. They have all this valuable information and it wasn't used and hasn't been used to help people deal with the mental health crisis of COVID. The ways that I'm kind of seeing now and taking a bigger step back and really trying to zoom out as far as I can and get the bird's eye view side is recognizing that they're doing the best they can. And the reason that I say that is it's a place where their focus isn't necessarily prevention because it's already happening. Prevention is the aspect of like lifestyle, of relieving stress, of tapping into uh, personal side of psychological needs, of uh, physical needs, of social needs, of relational needs, of recognizing the capacity of each person in their own uh, lane of personal growth. But Jason Kenney will not be able to step on stage at a, at a presentation and speak about that. He's having to provide the protectionary side for society and provide the uh, continuous reinforcement of masks, hand washing, distancing, and at this point in time, get your vaccine when you're able to. I think ultimately they should have had, we should have had, say a week. You go out, you stock your house up. Now we shut down. You keep your ass in your house. That's it. And we shut down until we shut like shut the virus down ultimately uh the back and forth makes me crazy we'll always have somebody complaining about either side and i'm not in disagreement with either side i mean i think that's why i was asked to come on i am what i call a happy medium yeah we should have shut down yeah it's horrible for businesses it really does suck but ultimately, in my mind, if the government would have stepped up and uh, 
created a little more support for said businesses, mainly small businesses. And I'm not talking keep Costco, Walmart, you know, all of that open. I think the ridiculousness is you go all or nothing on this, but you create a support system for them. Unfortunately, uh, I'm biased. It's hard not to be biased. This current government released me from my career of 20 years. We might as well state that. Uh, I think they don't have the balls to go against really anybody. So there are certain regulations that I do support. So for example, uh, reducing the number of flights from hotspot countries, I support that. But I also think it's an inadequate law because usually somebody wouldn't necessarily come straight from the hotspot country. They would go through other countries, right? So having a law that says only those who come from the hotspot country only stops those people who take a direct flight. What about those who would go to other countries and come, right? How are you managing that? So I think there was a good intention with that, uh, with that law coming into action, but I think there's some inadequacies there that needs to be looked at. At the same time, when we look at uh, Alberta or Ontario, the various provincial regulations, lockdowns do help, but they have to be done correctly. Look at the case of Australia, where they had a very strict lockdown, and then afterwards, things went back to normal, right? So it's possible to have an effective lockdown, but saying that, oh, big box stores are open, that's fine. You know, uh, Home Depot, Best Buy, all the big, big stores are okay, but let's close down the small retailers. That's, that's, that's causing inequity rather than actually reducing uh, the number of cases. Similarly, having malls open, but then you would close down some smaller uh, restaurants. So that doesn't work. If you're closing down, you know what you're going for. You want to reduce the number of cases, make it a blanket order that actually uh, creates positive change in the community. And finally, I think it's lack of enforcement that is a problem. We have seen several times in Edmonton and in Calgary, there are anti-mask protests. And how is it that people get scot-free having anti-mask protests, coming outside without masks, essentially putting everyone else in danger of getting COVID-19 and not having even a single ticket, right? And at the end of the day, there's been reports that those who have been ticketed have actually been let go later on because uh, the court did not follow through uh, with, with that ticket. So it's, it's, it's good then now for the public health professionals, the lawmakers, the police to sit down and say, what is going on? How do we make sure we enforce these regulations so that we are all in the same boat? And finally, it is accountability of politicians and leaders. It is unfair for a restaurant to close down for, for almost three months and not pay their staff and not be able to get income for themselves while a politician staffer goes to the Caribbean uh, for a holiday. And I have to say, accountability is needed. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Book Woman. Book Woman is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Metis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. 
Guests include indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomanpodcast.ca. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode. There's two schools of thought, I guess, with lockdowns. One is, you know, the Australian style, or I guess like in China and whatnot, where they had really harsh lockdowns, everything was shut down, um, and people were really restricted from doing a lot of things, uh, versus kind of the other approach is sort of let let it take its course, but um, our, our goal is to keep the economy rolling and keep people's, you know, employment unchanged, etc. I think in Alberta, they tried we tried to take the middle ground. And again, it's always easy to second guess. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I think everybody was trying to do the best they can given a very difficult and unusual circumstance. So, you know, we tried to kind of lock certain things down, um, but still try and keep the economy rolling as much as possible, especially for small businesses. Yeah, sure, the Australian approach of, you know, locking everything down and maybe getting out of it a bit sooner sounds appealing. And it's easy for me to say because I'm fortunate that, you know, my livelihood wasn't affected by the pandemic. But there's people in a lot of industries where um, their livelihoods were affected very dramatically, right? So we have to kind of take a good balance of looking after both. And not just that, but again, people's mental health. I think that's a big thing to go back to because like the reality is this is the worst thing that will ever happen to most of us in our lifetimes. You know, this is like the World War II Great Depression all rolled into one, right? So um, we have to be kind of sympathetic that this is going to be a big deal for people and it'll be a big deal for people for a long time. I am in favor of doing the best that we can with the info we have and the more and more info that we get like the net the net result of the strain on the healthcare system it would be negligent to ignore the mental health and the physical health and the financial strain and only look at at covid so i th- i think we need to take a you know a, a serious hard look at where we move forward um but yeah I, I definitely don't have all the answers but i think we need to open that combo do you feel like we have more looser laws right now or we have really strict laws in place in Alberta and Canada and actually go past this? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. So having been there myself multiple times, I know what it's like to be depressed and not want to leave bed and not even want to ask for help. Everyone says ask for help reach out, text. I didn't even want to do that because I didn't even want to talk about it. And especially with ulcerative colitis, I joined the appropriate support groups that talked about having IBD and autoimmune conditions. And I found that it was more draining for me. It just reminded me of my reality. It was like an echo chamber. The one thing that I would want to change if (laughs) if I had Dr. Hinshaw's position is to assess health more holistically to include all aspects, mental, physical. So we're looking at labs, but we're also looking at uh, functional, you know, dysfunctions. How's your mood? How's your sleep? How's your digestion? And yeah, just taking a more holistic approach. Um, You know what? It's not even their fault. They've grown up in this reaction-based healthcare model where they just don't think the way that maybe other people think in terms of prevention-based healthcare. 
They just grew up in the world of pharmacology and clinical responses in a reaction-based system. So it's not even their fault. You can't blame them. I think, I think we rely, um, I think, which we should, because Albertans are smart and they're an educated population. We're relying a lot on um, giving information and hoping people are making the right decision. Um, and, you know, that's where all those kind of press conferences and everything comes from when you see um, public health officials and our government officials talk about that. We're giving a lot of the responsibility to the individual to make the right decision for public for the public health. So I think the laws are, are appropriate. You know, um, it, call, it comes a lot down to like how much you in value individual, um, you know, freedoms and, and, uh, and that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a philosophical decision of, um, you know, how, what's the best way to change human behavior? Should we, you know, lock people down and, and, or should we educate them and, and empower them to make the right decision? I, I tend to be on that side because I think most people are rational. They're going to took and they're going to take information. And that's the, uh, the big other piece is that people are getting information from different places and people don't know where to trust their information. But if you're getting the right information, most people make the right rational decisions. So I think education and empowerment of individuals um, without having to resort to laws is hopefully the best way. But I'm an idealist and an optimist as well, too. So, so that might be a very naive view of the world, but that's my view. With respect to the laws, the restrictions in place for COVID, it's too late. People have experienced this yo-yo effect where the information that they've received and the lack of trust in that information has changed so much, has created this tremendous divide. And now the, the mindset of people has been permanently impacted. It's, it's too late to go back and, you know, talk about, you know, whether the, the, the measures should be stricter, whether or not they should start, you know, fining people, throwing people in jail. I mean, it's just too late. It's, we're a year into it. Um, it. You know, people really aren't clear. There isn't, as I said earlier, there isn't clear leadership. I think the thing that needs to happen right now and it's the golden rule of behavioral change, is we need to start implementing a proper cultural response, and we need all of our leaders, not just in government, but community leaders and business leaders, just doing the simple things uh, that proactively take care of our mental wellness, our well-being, and start doing them right now. Because it, it doesn't matter if they start getting stricter with lockdown measures, you know, you can wear two masks, three masks. You know, there might be a variant that comes from another part of the world that might suggest 12 feet, 20 feet of physical distancing. You know, that's all clinical stuff. And with respect to the economical stuff, again, I won't comment on that, but we, we just need leaders to step up and, and understand what's the long-term impact to uh, the younger generations, to teachers, to families and start just doing the simple things that'll make a difference. It's too late. It's too, it's too late to change people's minds. It, it, yeah, SOL. The difficulty of the Alberta government, Dr. Hinshaw, to present and speak about just getting a nutritious diet. Uh, because again, nutritious diet ties into money. and. Now we're looking at a socioeconomic standpoint, and now we're looking at a global pandemic that has practically erased people's identity in the position of career that they've chosen, where if you're a chef, where are you going to be working if 
restaurants right now are closed entirely. Not even a patio is open. Now what happens? If your identity is tied around your uh, excellence in the way as to which you present food and the way you craft things into your connection around your work environment, now what happens? How are they going to present and be like, just think positive. (laughs) Just get outside. Just go for a walk, go for a run, bike ride. Because then it ties been back into a, an economic standpoint where it's like, I would, but now I can't because you've taken away my job. And it becomes this real huge whirlwind where the preventionary side of speaking about such things is a very pinpoint, singular, uh, individual or familial place where each person is in such a different scenario with such a different background of life experiences. And they can't group that as one because there's so many differences and so many variations, but what they can do is talk about masks, talk about distancing, talk about hand washing, and talk about a vaccine because that's the thing that groups everyone. No matter where you're coming from, you're available, you have a mask, you have hand sanitizer, and you can distance. It's the easiest thing that everyone can do, and it's, it's, it's real, but the reinforcement over and over and over and over, I think, is becoming repetitive for people to the point where they're like, yeah, we get it, but now what? Now we're 14, 15, 16, it's summer again, Fall's coming. Summer doesn't last super long in Edmonton. So now it's the question of when is it going to stop and when are we going to be able to return to normal, whatever that entails for our future way of being.